0: The five enormous flaws that will make Ron DeSantis crash and burn. I'm Matt Robeson. This is Beyond Politics, available wherever you get your podcasts, and we're on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I am thrilled to welcome back an outstanding writer, former USA Today, current contributor to the editorial board, Raw Story Alternet, all over the place on the internet, where many people know him by his Twitter handle before they even know him by his name, Jason Sattler better known as LOLGOP to his hundreds of thousands of Twitter fans. Jason, welcome back.
1: Thank you. And I'd say only known as LOLGOP.
0: (laughs) What kicked this off was you wrote a great article, which again, people can find on the editorial board, Alternet Raw Story. The Great White Cope. Think Trump is damaged? Meet Mickey Mouse's Harasser we're talking about Ron DeSantis. We're on a little bit of a Ron DeSantis run here. Your article makes the case that Ron DeSantis, there's a lot less there than meets the eye. So what we decided to do is we're going to give our top five reasons why he's flawed. We independently develop lists. I don't really know what's on your list. You have no idea what's on my list. We'll go back and forth and let's count them down and see where we get to. Before we dive into that, why did you want to write this article? It's bugged me from the beginning
1: when the has gotten a free ride. And I think this has not been helpful to him now when he's actually facing some opposition for the first time since 2018. The press has been telling his story as if he's some sort of hero, some sort of sane Republican that can save the party from extremes of Trumpiness when he, in fact, policy-wise, far more extreme than Trump. He disenfranchised a million Floridians after, by a, a wide margin, state voted to give voting rights back to people who had committed felonies and serve their time. This Amendment 4 won by 10 times as much as Ron DeSantis won by 2018. And he signed it, went away, disenfranchised more Black voters than anyone alive. And the press basically ignored it and has treated him as if he is some kind of centrist. just thought it was really important to make the case there is no sane alternative in the Republican Party. And in fact, he's probably more flawed than Trump himself.
0: It's like the Princess Bride primary. We clearly can't choose the poison in front of you. We clearly can't choose the poison in front of me. There's Iocane in both glasses of wine. (laughs) Let's focus on DeSantis. You're the guest. You go first. Give me your number five, and we'll see what lines up with what's on my list. The biggest one. He's just really bad at politics. I sum that up by saying
1: schmoozing, speaking, and selling. He's terrible at all three of those things. He went to Washington, D.C. this week to meet with a bunch of members of Congress from Florida. He was going to win him over, wanted a sea of endorsements, and instead eight congressmen from Florida have endorsed Trump instead. That's remarkably bad schmoozing. That shows that the schmoozing has been horrible for years, that these people had a grudge and they wanted to humiliate him. That only happens if you are
0: really good at
1: alienating people.
0: I love this one. It's on my list. Yeah. But I put it in the number one position. Okay. I thought it was his number one flaw. What I'm seeing is familiarity breeds contempt and he is not wearing well on the people he has to win over which are the people in his own party these are the people most likely to like you and they're pushing back the lead in politico today is all about how florida legislators his own client lapdogs in the legislature who have been giving him anything he wants including don't say gay let's fight disney let's let's go nuts on abortion they're pushing back on him they don't want to go any further they're sick of him and as you say Florida members of Congress endorsing Trump. There are stories coming out every day about the nationwide donor pool of conservative billionaires that fund Republicans that are the lifeblood of Republican presidential campaigns are not sold on him and they don't like him. There is the invisible primary in front of the rank and file party members, and the donors. They're still the foot soldiers in your primary campaign, state by state, on the ground, and they're still the people who provide the dollars. I'll just close on saying this. I've been fortunate, this is gonna sound like a humble brag, it's not, I'm not like that special here, but I've been fortunate to meet several presidents in person. And I will tell you that they're all magnetic personalities. I met Bill Clinton in 1992, when he was running for president. I was a volunteer, I went backstage, And he was emerging from the green room. I was helping out the campaign and he came out. I realized I was going to have a chance to shake the man's hand. And so I stuck out my hand, but I'm like 18 years old and I'm super nervous. And I meant to say something like, governor, good luck, sir. And it came out as governor. He was so poised. He looked me in the eye and gave me that two-handed Bill Clinton handshake. (laughs) And he drew me in. So we were like separated by an inch. And he said, thanks, buddy. And at that moment, I was like, I am his buddy. I truly am. (laughs) I love this man. I want to kiss him on the lips. And so that kind of, and it was the same thing in a very different way, like Barack Obama, very cool on the exterior, Joe Biden, much more Clinton-esque. But I'm telling you that they all have something. They have some kind of political asset. Ron DeSantis seems to be an empty shell who has no charisma and no charm. And- that hurts. There's the story coming around that, that supposedly
1: that Ron DeSantis ate pudding with his fingers that Donald Trump has now picked up and put into an ad. Why oh, does it graphic that-
0: pudding, Ron? Right. Yes. I
1: think it sticks to him for two reasons. One is bad is that it's fat shaming, and he used to be bigger, and now he's losing. I think he's on Ozempic. They say, and he's losing weight. I don't like that aspect of it. But there's an oblivious to him, and actually, I'm stepping on my lead here. But I want to add two points to why it's even worse than what you're saying about the donors and the members of Congress turning on him. He had been the darling of the donors. They wanted him to be the guy that was going to be Trump. He has raised ridiculous amounts of money. He had them in their back pocket, and he's losing them, which is almost worse than never having them. I think because these aren't guys who like to admit mistakes. Rich, when you're rich, you don't have to very often. And the second is he drew a map, an electoral map in Florida that is the the wettest dream. It's as wet as Florida of <laughs> uh, the dream that could be what it looks like for Republicans to win seats in Florida. He gave them. The incumbents, the safest seats there, he added seats, he took away unconstitutionally two African-American seats that should have been there, and still he has much of the caucus turning against him at the worst possible moment.
0: It's a brilliant point because you sometimes see this in corporate branding where they're so trying to make something happen. And right. you know, there's an old story in marketing of a dog food company that was paying some big Madison Avenue company huge dollars to create an ad campaign to sell more dog food. The marketing company, it's like mad men. Like they, they put a lot of dollars. They did a campaign. They didn't sell any more dog food. And the executives are furious. And they go to the, they go to the Madison Avenue guys and they say, hey, what gives? And they say, look, sometimes the dogs just don't like the dog food. And in this case, he is dog food that yeah. the dogs do not like. They've gotten a taste. And despite all the efforts, including on Fox and Newsmax and OAN, and I'm stepping on myself now too, despite all the efforts to say, he's the guy, he's the great white cope, as you put it, the more they see him, the less they like. That just does not augur well. All right, let's, let's hit your number four. What's number four? Okay, I hate that I took your number one, but I think well, I think we'll have plenty to say there is
1: that he this wasn't my point. I saw this point on Twitter. He really missed his chance to get ahead of Trump and declare not Trump did it so early that you couldn't have declared it earlier than Trump. But there was a moment where he should have got it. like this dawdling and this adding to the agenda and highlighting his agenda, which actually is making him seem more un, unelectable, his timing is, is off. And the timing being off has really screwed him in, in one huge way. There's the kind of the strict father mindset that the Republican Party kind of operates around this idea of dominance and dad's on top of son and son's on top of daughter and on top of dog. And you know, it's like, there's a world, there's an order. And dominance is what the right wing is all about. When you seem dominant and he seemed really on top, he had made, he had won huge Trump guys, the, the key races, he lost all the key races. There was a moment where he was dominant and he seemed like the guy. And now it's the exact opposite. And I predicted, I said he should drop out the day that Trump's indicted because he didn't come in strong. You, he needed to make his case before Trump got indicted. I think Trump's indictment is the best thing that's happened to his campaign in, in three years. And the persecution complex the Republicans have makes the guy who's being fought the hardest seem like the biggest, the biggest guy who's on their side. So I, th- I think another thing is timing is a really key aspect that is hard to teach and hard to
0: give someone. I think that's a fantastic point. I wrote an article for Newsweek week before, right after the arraignment, right after the criminal charges in New York, in which I made the case that long-term, the criminal charges are going to be awful for Donald Trump and awful for the whole Republican Party. And even though I'm coming at the Trump point from the opposite end as you, I think we're arguing the same thing in a way. You're saying it's great for him in terms of his positioning in the Republican Party because of the Republican persecution complex. And I'm arguing it's terrible for him because it's going to long-term absolutely kill him. And I think both are probably true at the same time. He is going to have a short-run effect that is going to be very harmful to his primary competitors and then is going to lock the whole Republican party into a sinking ship. But that's a little bit of a sidebar. I'd say that your number four is closest to my number five. The point is about timing. My number five is that He has a strategic problem. It's the Gordian knot of Republican politics. And I do not think he can slice his way through it. Ron DeSantis has to win three elections, not one. He has to win three. He has to win the primary to be the alternative to Donald Trump. He has to win the Republican primary to beat Donald Trump. And he has to win a general election. Now, the going theory among Republicans is that they have to do what you... Pointed out in your article is they have to get over the Trumpism without Trump barrier. They need to show MAGA voters that they can get all the things they like about Donald Trump without the electoral drag, which was estimated to be about five points for MAGA candidates in the last election. Ron DeSantis has bought into that. He has gone the route of okay, if Trumpism is all about performative grievance and persecution and anger, and outrage, and giving a big F you to Democrats. I'm going to do that. And that's why you've seen him do all these things. Fighting Disney because wokeness. Fight gayness because gayness somehow. (laughs) Uh, Fight abortion because I hate women. He feels that you have to get over that bar to give tired MAGA folks a place to go. The first ad of the primary campaign starts with We're all on Donald Trump's side. He's being persecuted by the left with these criminal charges. He has to start by supporting Trump before he can say why he's against him. That's how bought in he is. Now, not all Republicans agree with this. Chris Christie gave an interview to our former guest on the show, Rachel Bade of Politico, this morning saying, I think all the Republicans are wrong. I think you've got to go right at Trump. Be a normie Republican. Try and win the electorate that way for whatever reason, Republicans and Ron DeSantis among them don't think he can do that. They don't think that's the path to victory. And so that's led him to this impossible strategic position, which is he's pushing himself way far to the right. And he needs to come out of that. And then somehow within the Republican primary, still be viable with normie Republicans, the few of them that remain, and if he somehow manages to defeat Trump in that process by becoming as close to Trump as he can, he then has to go into a general election and say, never mind. I'm not really Trump 2.0. I'm okay. I'm acceptable. I don't see how he navigates that path. It's threading the eye of the needle. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
1: And I think there's even a fourth race he has to win that that we talked about a lot before, but now that he seems like he's going to lose, people aren't talking about it as much. He doesn't just need to beat Donald Trump. He needs to defang, deball. He needs to neuter Donald Trump.
0: so much. I more- would show up for that. If they made that a reality <laughs> yeah. TV show, the deballing of Donald right. Trump.
1: Right. That's what I think was going to happen. I think that's why people were excited about, about Ron DeSantis. They thought this is the guy who's going to take Trump apart. And he's not even tried to do that so far. But. He has to win so much so that Trump is scared of him and doesn't campaign against him or just tell his voters to stay home. He needs to win huge. It can't just be or else he's the guy who's dividing and destroying the Republican Party. It's an unwinnable situation for him. He needed to come in here and just destroy from the
0: beginning. And on the stump, DeSantis has been playing footsie with the electability argument. He's been saying, I won re-election by 19.4 points after eking it out in 2018. I won my re-election, in a landslide in 2022. And that's impressive. And I flipped Miami-Dade County, which is super blue. So that's a sign that I can, I can beat Trump and I can win the middle. And all of those arguments, when you look under the surface, they're pretty weak. They're pretty trash. The second, the re-elect coming down to a landslide after eking out your first election, that's common. Like in in Ohio, Mike DeWine was reelected by 25 points. He only won his first election by 3.7. In Iowa, Kim Reynolds won by 18 and a half points after first winning by 2.8 points. It's called incumbency, folks. Like I think Republican primary voters are smart enough to see through that piece. More to the point, he finds himself mired. 538 launched a primary polling average. And Trump is at 49 points. And history says that in a Republican primary, if you're over 30, you've got a pretty good chance. Trump is almost over 50. Um, And if you're under 20, you've got almost no chance. And Ron DeSantis is at 26. like He's flirting with disaster territory. He has far from cleared the field. That's why you're seeing people like Chris Christie willing to consider jumping in. You're seeing Tim Scott South Carolina willing to consider weaknesses provocative right. and you're seeing other republicans say you know what this guy hasn't even sewn up the first election he has to win to be the alternative to trump we still think that there's an avenue for us here it's just a sign that in his own primary electorate he's far from sealing the deal
1: yeah there isn't a governor in the country who has below 50% in approval to that point of like how popular governors generally are and there's i think there's two kind of primaries going on i think someone like tim scott is running against Nikki Haley to be the vice presidential nominee. I think Christie is more the provocative one. And if I were Christie, Trump almost killed him with COVID. So if I were like, for me, I would come and say, listen, this is personal. This guy almost killed me with COVID. He got to kill you. I'm going to get in here and try to save you, but he won't go far enough. He won't say that Trump should be prosecuted. Just like DeSantis won't say that Trump is a loser. If you say he's a loser, you're saying that half of the primary voters at least who have bought into the big lie are delusional or traitors. So you can't do you can't call him a loser without alienating the entire party. Just like Christie can't
0: say he's a criminal without alienating the entire party. It's a bind, and it's what economists would call a collective action problem. You see it in politics all the time, especially in primaries, where people are hoping that other contenders will take each other out. It's The Kerry Iowa model, which is Dick Gephardt is fighting with Howard Dean yeah. and. While they're sniping at each other, you just silently sidle. I think you found the
1: one example of where that actually worked. It, didn't it actually worked, work, right. It did
0: work work there, yeah. And look, there was a little bit of a murder-suicide pact in 2016 between Chris Christie and Marco Rubio. Chris Christie yeah. annihilated Marco Rubio. It was a vivisection on stage. It was gruesome. It should be outlawed like under gladiator laws. That's essentially the conundrum that Republicans face with Trump right now, which is they're hoping someone will just... Go to bat and make this case. A poll came out yesterday in New Hampshire, still an early primary state. fifty six percent of New Hampshire voters think that Donald Trump definitely or probably committed a crime in the Stormy Daniels case. okay? This again goes back to my newsweek point, which is for the vast bulk of voters, this is poison. It's a trap. This whole you can't lay a glove on Trump in the Republican primary means that, you're not gaining general election votes. All right. What's your number
1: three? Ron DeSantis has authenticity issue. And I think this kind of legislative session we're talking about where he's just going to the far right extreme is who he is. Ian Milheiser, who writes for Vox, talks about being in a green room like 10, 15 years ago and hearing someone spewing the most random Hillary Clinton conspiracy theories he'd ever heard in his life and looking over and realizing it's Ron DeSantis. This is a true believer. He is the base in a way that Donald Trump never was. He's a Paul Ryan Republican. He wants to get rid of social security, Medicare, but he's a genuinely freaky, strange guy. One story, he used to go on dates and he would pronounce Thai food as Thai food. And if the woman would correct him, he wouldn't go on another date with him. This is the guy, first of all, just thinking he had the pick of women is the thing. Is that real? That is a story that is told about him. He that makes
0: like, the porno pudding, like the three fingers dipping yeah, in. That yeah. makes that seem tame. Whoa. Yes.
1: It is, it's crazy. orders on Ted Cruz type weirdness where Ted Cruz like stockpiles soup. In a strange it, it's kind like of that
0: dirtball uh, pickup artist, this mystery, yeah. like teaching people <laughs> how to nag women. That's crazy.
1: Yes. It's looking for a woman who's not going to disagree with you about things like eating pudding with your fingers, I guess is what it comes down to. Oh my so gosh. I think he's a genuinely strange cat. This goes into why he wasn't able to schmooze there. It's he doesn't. I think he he sees people's objects. And I think it's an indifference that Donald Trump has, but Donald Trump knows how to fake it. Ron DeSantis completely lacks that. And he thinks that because he has been a successful incumbent governor and taken on these fights and gotten people behind him and he put on a flight suit and pretended to be an airplane pilot pilot in one of his ads and people bought into it, he thinks there's something going on there that that isn't going on there. And uh, I think people see right through it and see a strange guy who should be a
0: blogger. I'm going to relate your point to my number four. So your number three is my number four, which is that his biggest asset up till now is also his biggest vulnerability. And that asset slash vulnerability is getting even shakier, which is his relationship with the media. He has risen nationally on the basis of the eye of Sauron, Rupert Murdoch and Fox News, casting its gaze on him and saying, you are the next white Cope." You are our chosen gladiator to go fight the left. And for about a year, the directive at Fox News, and there's all kinds of reporting about this, we're off Trump. We're done with Trump. We've got to find the next guy. And Ron DeSantis is that guy. And they were pumping him up. And the problem is, and Karthik Krishnayer brought this up on our show last week, he only talks to Fox, Newsmax, and OANN. He never gets any pushback. He never gets a challenging interview. He never talks to anybody who isn't basically pliant and trying to make him sound great. And of course, he's gotten some pretty crazy notions in his head about what's working, what's awesome, how great he's coming across. He's been seeming to be running to win the Tucker Carlson primer for the last year. And that's why he's doing this just bad shit, crazy stuff in Florida so that he can get kudos from Tucker, but it doesn't play well in the rest of the country. And now Fox News sort of decided to rally around Trump. And so DeSantis has lost his biggest fan. He was hoping to win the Fox News primary. He's no longer winning the Fox News primary. And so the thing that he had going for him, he's kind of losing, and it was always poisoning him nationally. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
1: connects to if you don't mind me going ahead to my next one was is my number four was or is that he never really had a chance anyway because and i'll use my example for this dominion trial that we just saw that was the result of the republican of the fox news getting pushback because they correctly said that donald trump had lost arizona and the trump fans raged against him started going to newsmax started turning the channel off so the channel went full my pillow guy into the lies the He was the golden boy and how did he spend his year? What is the big thing he accomplished by being on Fox News for a year? They loved him, they propped him up. No one was demanding it. Like you said, this was a strategy within Fox. And he thought that this was, they're meeting the demand for this. Everybody loves me because I'm winning Florida, something that governors, (laughs) the Republicans haven't lost a governorship in Florida. Was it 1994 was the last time they've lost the governorship in Florida. So he was very impressed by this, thought this was a huge win. And now it's coming out and recognizing He never had a chance because the base is owned by Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. The remaining two items on my list don't really line up with that, that he didn't ever really have a chance. Yeah. But I will say that it it does line up just a little bit. There's a flavor in there of his whole case is shaky and it always was shaky because it's paper thin. All of his talking points, I already addressed the one about, look, my reelect was so strong. It was a landslide. I'm acceptable. Not true. No, this is very common for governors. Republican governors are popular. Democratic governors are popular. And after that, his next talking point down the list is the Florida economy is super strong and we're super attractive. So many people are moving from woke California to awesome libertarian free Florida Well, it turns out that's also a load of BS. They just had a little uptick last year, and almost as many people are moving from Florida to California as people moving from California to Florida. It all just evaporates. It's tissue paper. And in terms of the economy, again, Cardick addressed this last weekend. I won't bore people with the data underneath it, but Florida is becoming incredibly unattractive to young people. But young people are leaving. Older people are the ones coming in. Florida does have top 10 economic growth. But California is above them. Washington state, like Arizona, which is purple. Oregon is right there with them. There's no there. This is back to my strategic conundrum for him. He's not as Trump. He's not willing to be anti-Trump and fight Trump. He doesn't have an economic case. He doesn't really have a case. He doesn't really have anything where he stands out.
1: And I've heard a couple of people, including Joshua Green, who's a really smart Bloomberg writer, wrote a great book about Steve Bannon, argue that the economic case is his best case. I don't think you're going to win over a bunch of Republican voters by arguing how good Joe Biden has been for the economy of Florida. And that's ultimately what these economic arguments are just saying. Joe Biden has done a great job. You know, that because you look at it, we've had great growth everywhere. America has the best growth in the world. The story ends up going back to Joe Biden, not to Ron DeSantis in there and voters, that's why he's sticking with the woke stuff because it's the only thing that kind of relates, even though it's, one thing that I think people don't point out enough is this woke stuff has a, is just almost just a Twitter or popularity in the sense that right-wingers on Twitter and online, po- look at the polls of wokeness. It's extraordinarily popular. Wokeness is far more unpopular than the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Originally We were talking, we're going to have a debate about it. Did Ron DeSantis ever have a chance? I think that's a really interesting argument. So I do want to hear more about why you think that there was, what was, how does it work? Is there,
0: A, was there a way for him to win? And B, is there a comeback? This has been like a total throwdown on Ron DeSantis. Could we be wrong? And could we have been wrong in the past? Yeah. Yes, we could be wrong. Is there a version of this where he's like more of a Charlie Baker type? Yes, there is. You'd have to go into a time machine for it. But Charlie Baker in Massachusetts, one of the bluest states, was one of the most popular governors in the country. Chris Sununu, who's maybe gonna be in the primary, is in a very purple state, four-term governor from New Hampshire, and wildly popular. Larry Hogan, blue state, Republican governor, wildly popular. Could he have emerged from this and taken more of a Chris Christie route and say, you know what, I'm the alpha here. So is that possible? Yes. Now let me quote you why my I could be wrong is probably wrong. No less a personage than Witt Ayers, who's probably, for my money, the number one Republican pollster in the country. He's a former guest on the show. He says that the electability argument never works in today's Republican Party. His quote is, it just sounds to Republican primary voters like an excuse to get conservative voters to support somebody they don't really want, even though the argument may very well be true. He goes on to say, there is no education in the fifth kick of a mule. And yet it appears that's where we're headed. So Witt's whole point is you can tell Republican voters till the cows come home that Donald Trump is absolute poison for their ability to win an election. And they're going to go, uh-huh, yeah, give me some more Trump. And so my whole theory about DeSantis and could he have taken a different path, Witt seems to think that it's wrong. What do you think?
1: I think that he's 100%. I think that it's, and Charlie Baker's Larry Hogan didn't even run and he wanted to, because they know there's just, it's, it's there's no path in this Republican party.
0: The only remaining item on my list was the six-week abortion ban. Highlight this in your article, that it's just such a strategic sinkhole for Republicans. Janet Protazowitz, she just Passes. won that Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin by 11 points, largely because of abortion. Like we saw the impact of abortion in 2022, and Ron DeSantis is, hold my beer, people. I'm, let me go as extreme as possible. So now I think his only play is just to go full like Nathan Shelley. Go gray, turn heel. I'm going to go right at him. I'm going to try and win a dominance war by going right at Donald Trump and saying he's lost it, no longer who he used to be. I'm the real guy. That's the only play, I think.
1: The kind of history nerd of this is like the way to go about it is the way Jefferson pushed Washington aside that he was the greatest ever, but now he's obviously senile because he wouldn't be listening to Hamilton if he were he weren't senile. I think that's the way to go about it. But I think this leads to my scary point. And this is, it seems like I'm happy that Ron DeSantis is so terrible and he can't, he's not going to win the primary, but I'm actually, I'd rather face him than Donald Trump. I think he is a, for the reasons you just described, The guy who lost in Wisconsin by 11 points, which is like in Wisconsin, that's like losing by a thousand points. The advantage that Donald Trump has is no one believes he actually opposes abortion. The only thing that they think he opposes is paying for his own abortions.
0: That's known as the Herschel Walker position.
1: Exactly. He is just going to beat up your people you hate. That's all he does. He has one belief and that's if you don't like somebody, he doesn't like them either. And he's going to make life miserable for them. This is what DeSantis thinks he's doing with Disney, but he's getting it all wrong. He's making it about him. Trump has this magic that he makes it about, I'm doing this for you. DeSantis doesn't have any of that. He's doing this because he wants to show that he can. Ultimately, that's what everything seems like with him. I think ultimately, no Republican can win post-Roe right now if there's a fair election. He'll do everything he can to make sure that it's not a fair election. That's why he's the most dangerous candidate that Republicans have.
0: That is interesting. The argument is usually, I'd rather face DeSantis because my downside risk is lower. Because as hateful as he is, as terrible as he is, he does not pre- present an extinction-level event for American democracy the way Donald Trump clearly does. Yes. He's not totally unhinged. He's There's a real concern that Donald Trump is not compass mentis anymore. And Ron DeSantis appears in a very sick way to have his marbles. And so that's usually the argument, but you make a very compelling case. I love the article. I hope people will check it out. Jason Sadler. thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you, sir.